Hey, good morning. Good to see you this morning. Good to have you with us online as well, wherever you might be. I, I noticed there were some people from near and far joining us online, so uh, welcome. Glad to see all your, as Mike said, supposedly smiling faces behind your mask this morning. Glad that we're together this morning. I've got some good news and I've got some bad news this morning. The good news is, this is the last Sunday of 2020. It looks like we're going to make it. There were some times there where we thought we might not make it, but um, it's looking pretty good. I heard a quote this week that said, maybe the last week of 2020 is the plot twist we've all been waiting for. Probably not going to happen, but unless Jesus returns in the next few days, and he might, but unless that happens, looks like we're probably going to make it out of 2020. So that's the good news. The bad news this morning is 2021 is probably going to look a lot like 2020. Now, next week's probably going to look a lot like this week. We're going to have the same frustrations and the same uh, challenges. There is no giant reset button that's going to make everything go back the way we feel like it should be. I think it was John Mellencamp, wasn't it, who said, Oh, yeah, life goes on. Long after the thrill of living is gone. I'm not sure I agree with that, though. I'm not sure I agree with John. Uh, yeah, life does go on, but I, I think the thrill of living remains. I, I think life is still an adventure. And 2020, that was just one part of the adventure. That wasn't the entire adventure. That was just one part. And if you're like me, if you really stop and think about it, Man, I can tell you some wonderful blessings that I had in the past 12 months. God has really been good. But this is the last Sunday of the year. And I sort of wrestled with what to talk about this Sunday. Now, Christmas season's over. A couple months from now, we'll all have our decorations down. The new year hasn't quite begun yet. We're kind of in this in-between uh, Sunday, sort of, um, and it has been a difficult year this past uh, 12 months, but, but what to talk about, what to think about as we step out of what has been a challenging year and get ready to step into what is sort of an unknown kind of year. And as I thought about that, I, I was reminded of an image that you all have seen, you're all familiar with, uh, five words on a red background under a crown, keep calm and carry on. You're all familiar with that, right? I am a little bit of a history nerd, and I was surprised when I learned that, because I learned it pretty late in life, that that uh, graphic was developed in 1939 by the British government in preparation for World War II, for the blitz that was coming. And I thought, I should know that. Why didn't I know that until like just not too long ago? And it turns out that the reason I didn't know that was, although about two and a half million of those posters were made to distribute around uh, Europe, it was never really distributed because they decided after they made the posters that that wasn't the message that they wanted to share with the public. So all those posters were destroyed, but it, about almost 20 years ago, somebody found one of those posters in an old bookstore in England. And it has been reissued... Um, to a number of companies, and of course, it's become one of the most famous memes of the past two decades. 
know, it's keep calm in everything, right? Uh, there's one for cat lovers. Keep calm and let the human do all the work. There's one for fans of Star Wars. Keep calm and use the force. There's one for parents of newborn babies. Keep calm and carry diapers, Cheerios, wet wipes, Purell, tissue, plastic keys, more diapers, a spoon, and on and on and on. There's one for people like me. Keep calm and eat a donut, which is pretty good advice, really. Um, There's one for doctors and nurses. Here you go, Keith and Kelly. Uh, Keep calm and not that calm. There you go. Yeah, you know, flat line there. Even Yoda gets in on the deal. Calm you shall keep and carry on you must. Hmm, yes. You know, I, I was thinking of that message, keep calm. It's a good message. In the middle of a very stressful, very anxious year, that's a pretty good message. Keep calm. It's good advice. It's actually biblical advice. This morning, I want to take you back to a very well-known miracle that's found in the fourth chapter of the book of Mark. You can open up your Bibles there. It's a miracle that seemed to capture the attention of the disciples in a very dramatic way. And it's a miracle that should still capture our attention in the same kind of way because Jesus is going to put his power on display in no uncertain terms. And I'm sharing it with you this morning because I think it's an example that that any challenge that we might face, Jesus is capable of meeting that challenge. He can handle it. And so today what we're going to see is as we encounter these everyday storms that we encounter, Jesus still has the power to calm, to bring order out of chaos, and to speak peace into anxiety. So this morning, if you're a little bit frustrated with the way you're Uh, last few months have gone, if you feel like you got a little bit too much on your plate, if your finances aren't right where they should be, if like the past nine or ten months have just beaten you down, I want you to pay close attention to the Prince of Peace and his ability and his willingness to still, still speak calm into our lives. Before I get to the text, I need to give you a little bit of context Um, before this miracle that we're going to look at, Jesus has spent the entire day surrounded by big crowds. He's been teaching to the crowds, and uh, he's exhausted. He's beside the Sea of Galilee, uh, and he tells the disciples, we're going to go to the other side of the sea. Now, you know, Scripture refers to it as the Sea of Galilee. Most of us have not been there. It's not a sea the way we in Florida would think of the sea. It's really more of a big lake about 13 miles by 7 miles, so kind of a lake, really, but it's a big body of water. Jesus gets into the boat with his disciples, and and, and he really is exhausted. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 is where we're picking it up. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up. And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. So Jesus and the disciples are in a boat. Everything's fine. As they get pretty far from the shore, a serious squall comes up. Now, I told you that the Sea of Galilee is really more of a lake than a sea. But it has some specific characteristics to it. For one, it's 
It's about 600 feet below sea level. And because of the topography around it, because of the hills and, and, and such, it is not uncommon for really serious storms to blow up on the Sea of Galilee and to come up quickly. Um, even today, you know, 15-foot waves are not uncommon on the Sea of Galilee. And this particular storm that blows up was a very dangerous storm. Well, how do you know it was such a dangerous storm? I know it was a dangerous storm because the people who spent their life on the Sea of Galilee were scared to death. That's how you know it's serious. The fishermen who made their living there, they were afraid. And when the professionals get scared, it's time to be afraid. So this was a dangerous storm. This was an intense storm. Everyone on the boat is kind of hanging on for dear life. Well, not quite everyone. Verse 38. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. From a human perspective, this is a matter of life and death. Like I said, the professionals were afraid that it's all going to be over. They're, they're frightened. It's intense. So, so where is their leader? He's sound asleep. He'd been teaching the crowds all day, and he's exhausted. He's sound asleep. And you say, well, how could he possibly be sleeping through a storm like that? Ask any one of our teachers how they feel at the end of the day, how tired they are. They'll tell you how they can, they can sleep just about anywhere at the end of a long day. So yeah, Jesus was exhausted. Verse 38, Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. The older King James Version says, Peace, be still. That's how the song goes, right? Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to the disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were afraid. Jesus was not afraid. He was sleeping. He knew that everything was under control. Under his control, as it turns out. Um, interestingly, even after the wind dies down, even after the waves calm down, the disciples are still afraid. In fact, we're told that they are terrified. Now, everything, you know, the danger has passed, but they're still terrified, but for a different reason now. Notice how this thing concludes. Verse 41, they, the disciples, they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, these men have been with Jesus for a while at this point. It's, it's fairly early on, but they've, they've heard his teaching. They've seen some miracles, but they've never seen anything like this before. Who is this guy? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Well, let's take this well-known story, and let's see if we can't make a couple applications uh, into our lives and the storms that we sort of encounter uh, and the first application I've got is this. Storms will come even when Jesus is there. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus is in the boat. But that doesn't keep the storm from blowing up, does it? You know, there, there are some people who believe, some Christians, and maybe it's kind of younger Christians who believe, well, if I'm walking with God, if I'm following Jesus, then nothing bad's ever going to happen to me. I'm never going to face any storms. 
I'm never going to have any problems because I love Jesus. And Jesus loves me. So I don't ever have to worry about storms. And then when trouble comes, when hard times happen, when the storm blows up, it's like, what's going on? You know, I, I thought I was a child of God. And all this is happening to me and all this is going on around me, I guess, because, you know, Jesus isn't here. And they think, okay, Jesus isn't, it doesn't love me. And the storm still hit. Listen, God's word is true. As Christians, we're going to go through storms. The Bible never hints otherwise. We've got James chapter 1 on the, on the slide there. Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. James doesn't say, if trouble should come your way. And he doesn't say, there's a chance that you might run into some trouble. James says, when trouble comes your way. Trouble is going to come your way. Jesus would tell his followers in John 16, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. The Bible never soft sells the fact that life is hard. Things get difficult. But the promise of Scripture is that... uh, Those hard times, we don't face them alone. We talked about that quite a bit last week. James says in James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You know, I would like to be able to tell you that the Bible teaches that there'll never be storms in your life. And I would like to be able to tell you that the Bible teaches that even when those storms come, you don't have to worry about it. They can't harm you in any way. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that storms do come. Trouble does come. And they're dangerous at times. Um, Scripture never promises that Jesus will protect you from the storm. But it does promise that Jesus will protect you in the storm. Again, we're not alone. I don't know how many of you have ever been on a boat in a storm. I never have been. I've never been out on open water where I've feared for my life, where I thought something bad might happen. I have, like most of you, though, been in an airplane before, and I've thought, ooh, this doesn't feel right. And I've gone through some, some, some storms, felt some turbulence. We've all been there, right? You know, you're flying along, and it gets kind of bumpy and jumpy, and you see the uh, flight attendants, they, they're putting the little cart away, and the seatbelt light comes on, and... They run up and they put on their little seat belt, you know, and their little jump seat up there. You've all been there, right? And all the passengers have this kind of nervous smile, like, ooh, that's bad. You know, hey. And then usually the pilot comes on and says something. You know what you don't want to hear when you're in the middle of turbulence and the pilot comes on? You don't want to hear a really nervous voice say, hey, this is the pilot. Did you guys feel that? Oh my goodness, it's getting rough out there. Wow, did you see that lightning off the right side of the plane? I'm scared to death. You you, you might want to call your family and tell them you love them. And if you're religious, start praying. Pray! No, we don't want to hear that, do we? What I want to hear is... uh, Yeah, ladies and gentlemen... um, 
This is your pilot speaking. You might have noticed that we've hit a little bit of turbulence. Uh, nothing to worry about. Uh, we just got a little bit of a storm here, but I've got a, uh, permission to climb a few thousand feet. We're going to skirt around this puppy, and we'll get you back in some smooth air in just a moment or two. I have gone ahead and turned on the seatbelt sign, and I'm going to ask you to stay in your seat just a few minutes, just to be on the safe side, but don't you worry. We're going to get you back on ground right on time. Thanks for flying with us. That's what I want to hear, right? I want to hear that voice of assurance. I want to hear that voice of confidence. I want to know, okay, this isn't this guy's first storm. Okay, he, he knows how to handle storms. He's not afraid. And if he's not afraid, I'm not afraid. You know, I walk through the valley, I will not fear. I want somebody to tell me it's going to be all right. The disciples should have known that firsthand. You know, they're there in the boat, and their pilot is resting well. He's not afraid. Storms will come, even when Jesus is there. Second observation, Jesus is there. So put your trust in him. You're familiar with Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your seas still. He'll make your winds calm. He'll make the storm manageable. He'll make your path straight. A lot of people want to blame God when things go wrong. Listen, if Jesus, before he falls asleep, says, we're going to the other side of the lake, rest assured, we're going to the other side of the lake. The story of the disciples in the storm. It's easy for us to understand. You know, I'm not going to come down too hard on these guys for being scared to death in the boat that's getting swamped in the middle of a storm. I'd have been right there in the boat with them. We all get it, right? We know exactly how they feel. Think of it sort of like a dad who is teaching his young son to, to swim. And he puts that little boy in the water and lets go of him. And the boy starts to sink. And for a minute, that kid's got to be thinking, wow, dad is treating me so unfairly. How could dad be doing this to me? What's wrong with dad? He's, he's going to let me drown. And you know, the kid's sinking and he feels like he's going to drown. But the dad's right there. That little boy's never in any kind of danger. And at just the right time, he reaches down and you know, he picks the kid back up out of the water. And we know that that father was actually trying to teach that child, trying to strengthen him. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they're good for us. They help us learn to endure. And endurance develops strength of character in us. And character strengthens our confident expectation of salvation. God knows that those trials, he doesn't cause them, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't shower them on us, but he knows that those trials and those problems that we go through, they're good for us because they strengthen us. And they help us to grow deeper in our dependence on him. It was hard for those disciples to get that. They didn't realize what was going on. We don't either, by the way. But notice what they say in Mark chapter 4, verse 38. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Which actually should have been one of my points. Because when you're in the middle of a really bad storm, it's good to get Jesus involved. Okay? 
But they asked Jesus, don't you care if we drown? Well, of course he cared. He cared more about those guys than they cared about themselves. But sometimes we're in the middle of a problem, when we're in the middle of a storm, when we're in the middle of a trial, sometimes we think things that just don't make much sense later on. In fact, sometimes we say things that, yeah, I probably shouldn't have said that. You know, it's kind of in the heat of the moment. When we're afraid, when we're confused, when, when we're struggling, it's really easy to kind of you know, shake our fist sometimes at God and say, don't you care? Don't you even know what I'm going through? Don't you even see what's happening? Don't you see the mess that I'm in the middle of? Remember in, in John chapter 11, Jesus shows up late at the funeral of Lazarus. And both of Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, both tell Jesus the same thing. If only you'd been here, our brother would not have died. Now, we get pretty good at the if-onlys, don't we? We get pretty good at telling God, if only. If only I'd gotten that promotion, my life would be different. If only she'd said yes, my life would be better. If only he'd said no, my life would be better. Oh. If only, if only. And our if only sort of intensify as the storm intensifies. But when you're in the storm, let me give you some advice. When you're in the middle of a problem, when you're in the middle of a struggle, do not stop going to church. Do not stop meeting with your brothers and your sisters. Do not stop praying. Do not stop reading and searching the Bible and looking for the will of God. Don't turn your back on God when you're going through the hard times. It's kind of like fighting against the person who's trying to save you, you know, when somebody's drowning. Don't be surprised by storms. Suffering is inevitable. Misery is not. Peter would write in 1 Peter chapter 4, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Peter says he's not talking about trials, he's talking about fiery trials. He's not talking about bad things, he's talking about real bad things. Instead, be very glad, because these trials will make you partners with Christ in his suffering. And afterward, you'll have the wonderful joy of sharing his glory when it's displayed to all the world. Jesus wants us to trust him. He deserves our trust. He expects our trust. He certainly earned it. Which brings me to my third point. Trust Jesus to calm the storm at just the right time and in just the right way. We need to trust Jesus to calm that storm in just the right time and in just the right way. And I don't want you to miss the full extent of, of this miracle. Because when Jesus performs a miracle, his timing is always perfect. Verse 39 says, uh, Then he arose, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. You might have missed it as we went through this miracle the first time, but actually it's not just one miracle. There's two miracles that take place in this passage. Not just one. Jesus rebukes the wind, peace. And then he rebukes the waves, be still. 
and the wind dies down and the sea becomes like glass. And the disciples are like, who is this guy? As they realize he has power over nature. You know, it has always bothered me to hear people always talk about Mother Nature. Well, Mother Nature does this. Mother Nature does that. <laughs> As if, you know, nature were Jesus' mother. I don't know. I don't even know what it means. But Jesus, uh, Jesus is in control here, okay? He's the boss. Uh, Jesus calmed both the wind and the sea by speaking. And then, you know, the disciples, wow, I've never seen anything like that before. Question. When you get to the other side of some storms in your life, has there ever been times when you have sort of looked back and realized, okay, that was really unpleasant, and that was really kind of terrible, but you know what? God got me through that. You might not have realized it at the time. You might have never seen it at the time, but in retrospect, looking back on the storm, you, you realize, you know what? I felt like I was all alone there, but I never really was. And I felt like nobody cared and nobody knew, but that, that really wasn't the issue. And have you ever just got to a place where you said, okay, that was God. What, what we just went through, what I just went through, that was God. And, and you sort of realize that after the fact. So, here we are at kind of the end of a really challenging year. In a lot of ways, a wonderful year. Super blessings. In a lot of ways, a really crummy year. I mean, I'm looking around, there's like uh, just a handful of people here. Thanks for being here, by the way. Uh, and I know there's a whole more out there that, uh, that are ready to come back when it's time. But it's been, in a lot of ways, a really frustrating year. So what's the takeaway from, from this lesson? I'm going to sum it up with, uh, with the words of King David in Psalm 56. Lord, have mercy on me. All day long the enemy troops press in. So many are proud to fight against me. How they long to conquer me. And then David says in verse 3, But when I am afraid, I will trust in you. Yes, I will trust in the promises of God. And since I am trusting Him, what can mere man do to me? When I am afraid, I will trust in you. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. Even in the middle of the storms. Even in the middle of the big, dangerous storms. I will trust in you. You know, that old saying really does ring true. Maybe we need to quit telling God how big the storm is and start telling the storm how big God is. Um, when he woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the water, Quiet down. Suddenly the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. And he asked them, why are you so afraid? Do you still not have faith in me? And they were filled with awe, and said among themselves, Who is this man, that even the wind and waves obey him? We are getting ready to say goodbye and good riddance to the year 2020. Again, if we're honest with ourselves, though, we've, we've had tremendous blessings in the past 12 months. God's been faithful. He's kept His promise. He didn't leave us. He didn't forsake us. But there has been wind. <laughs> there has been some waves. 
So here's my encouragement as we get ready to step out of uh, a very tumultuous, tumultuous year into an uncertain year, and that is keep calm. Jesus is in your boat. Hey, if everybody else can rip it off, so can I. Just keep calm. Jesus is in the boat. Yeah, the wind is real, the waves are real, they're dangerous, but the storm's not in control. Jesus is in control. He's been in storms before. He's not afraid. Who is this man? That even the wind and the waves obey his voice. Let me tell you who he is. He is the one who was predicted and prophesied. He is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And if you are trying to face storms by yourself, you don't have to do that because he's promised to walk with you. And he might even calm the storm. He might do that. But even if he doesn't calm the storm, he will calm you. So, as scary as 2020 has been, as uncertain as 2021 seems to be, we're going to keep calm. Jesus is in our boat. Let's close with a prayer. Father, I'm going to end this message and end this uh, last service of the year by praying the same prayer that David spoke almost 3,000 years ago. And uh, I want to speak it as humbly and as sincerely as I know King David did. Father, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. I will trust the promises of God. And since I'm trusting him, what can befall me? And I pray it in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the pilot of our boat. Amen. Travis is going to lead a song to get us... uh, prepared for the Lord's Supper to follow.